Well, we worship the one who is living, and we are saved because of his sacrifice, and uh, we're so thankful that you've chosen to be here. Of all the places you could have been, I'm glad you came to Blackstone Valley Baptist Church today. You know, in the life of Christ, there's been all kinds of difficult and different uh, views. There's been a portrait of the Savior. There's been a tender moment with the Savior. But today, I want to look at a tragic moment of the Savior. And most of you are thinking, yeah, when he died on the cross, that was tragic. No, that was great because he gave us life. It was tragic in the way he died. Uh, but he already, before the foundations of the world, he was already crucified. He did it for our benefit. He didn't die for his own benefit. He died so that we could have eternal life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter number 10. Stand with me if you're able to. Mark chapter number 10. You know, as we think about close encounters with Jesus Christ, I think this encapsulates everything that people who have gone to church for their whole lives, they're religious, they might have money, but there's a tragic conclusion in this passage of Scripture. I want you to notice in verse number 17, the Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Oh, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. What a tragedy. In this story, there's one that came running to Jesus, because he heard about his testimony, he heard about his reputation, he heard something that would change his life. And so he wanted to hear what Jesus would say from himself, and so he asked him, Good Master, what shall I do to etern inherit eternal life? That's kind of why people find Jesus, or why Jesus finds them, really. See, before you were even born, you were on his mind. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He knows what we all have need of, the human race has need of. Before we even think about it, before we even open our mouth, this man was looking for eternal life, like a lot of people. But he went away tragic, in a tragic situation, because he missed it. He missed it by a mile. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the gift of salvation that's free. We couldn't earn it, we couldn't buy it, Lord, we thank you that you gave it through your only begotten Son. We love and praise and thank you. We thank you for the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. We thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. You know, when Jesus is in the house, something's going to happen. 
Somebody's going to be healed. With Jesus in the house, somebody's going to be changed. And here Jesus is going about teaching and preaching and here there's somebody that comes up that obviously he had a need in his heart. That he had that God-sized hole that only Jesus could plug. All of us are born with that hole in our heart. And so now he comes to Jesus running up to him and kneeling down and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, you can be in a good fundamental Bible preaching, even Baptist church all your life and never inherit eternal life. You can hear the message day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, and never have it change your life because it's a matter of the heart. This man obviously worked in the temple. He was probably a leader in the religious community. And he knew and heard about Jesus and the miracles that he had done. And here he comes up to Jesus and he recognizes Jesus' authority because he knelt down to him. And he asked him, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And if it was so simple and so easy, the Bible says that even a child can get saved. It's a matter of faith. The faith of a little child coming to Jesus and trusting him only to save you. Not Jesus and. I know years ago, and they still have a, a coffee and program on WWON, or it used to be WWON. Uh, it's W-O-O-N, I think, now. But it's coffee and. Whatever you want to talk about, and we'll talk about it. And that's the way a lot of people view Jesus. It's Jesus and my church. Jesus and my faith. Jesus and this. No, it's not. It's Jesus alone. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, and again, hearing by the word of God. And you have to trust him alone to save you. I can't save you. Nobody else can save you. Only Jesus can save you. Amen. This passage, the Lord tells us, in no uncertain terms, just what it takes to be saved. You know, in other passages of Scripture, the Bible says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. There's a lot of people who talk a talk, a religious talk, but don't know Jesus. They may even go to church twice a year or three times if there's a funeral or a wedding, but they don't know Jesus. But today, if you're in that category, I'm going to tell you how you can find Jesus. How you can know for sure that heaven is your destination. You say, I'm already saved. Then make it a priority in your life to tell someone else. Amen. Because the Great Commission is not great because of us. It's great because of the one who gave it. Amen. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, first of all, in verse number 17, we see the man and his desire. And this encounter is found in all three gospels. And um, Matthew chapter 19 and Luke chapter 18. And of course in our text here. And so uh, all three, they give a little bit de uh, more detail than the last. Uh, they all see the same story, if you will, from a different perspective. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the Bible talks about the rich, young ruler. And so for the sake of our study, uh, we want to know a little bit deeper about this gentleman. Uh, the person who came, he's uh, all three evangelists, if you will. They tell of this man. Uh, Matthew tells that he was young. And so Luke tells us that he was a ruler. And it probably means that he was a ruler in the synagogue. And so 
when all the facts concerning this man are considered, it becomes clear that this young man had many things going for him in his life. He had his youth. I, I know, I know the rock community says only the good die young, right? But that's not necessarily true. The Bible says if you obey your parents in the Lord, your days in life will be prolonged. And so uh, sometimes it's foolish decisions that cause the youth to end their lives early. But he had his youth going for him. Uh, he had money going for him. He was very wealthy. And I don't know exactly why that fits into the scenario other than the fact that your wealth won't save you. Your money won't save you. doesn't matter how much or how little you have. It doesn't matter how much you gave to charities or church. It matters that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't waste your life. You heard that, uh, you know, growing up, don't waste your life. Come to Jesus now. And um, he has his wealth. This young man has plenty of world's goods. Whatever he needs, it's at his beck and call, if you will. There's nothing wrong with having money, by the way. But if money has you, there's a problem. See, the Bible says in multiple places, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money in of itself is not wrong. Or having money is not wrong. She's not disturbing me. It's my grandkids. You know, when you look at this man and his wealth, that wasn't going to save him. That's what he was thinking. He says, I've kept all these things, all the commandments. I've kept them from my youth up. The problem was he wasn't applying what he knew because nobody could keep all 10 commandments. It would be difficult. And so, uh, you know, I've had people even tell me that money is wrong. It's evil to have money. And I said, no, it's not. It's not what the Bible says. It does say lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. The benefits and dividends are out of this world. And so uh, he was uh, moral and he was very religious. He had this going for him. He lived a clean, moral life. But Jesus didn't rebuke him when he claimed to have kept the commandments. You ever meet somebody who says, oh, I've kept the commandments. I haven't, I've never killed anybody. We didn't ask that question. Are you a good person? I'm not too bad. I never killed anybody. I asked one person one time, are you a sinner? No, I've never sinned. I said, you just did. You just did. You know why? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Nobody's righteous. And... Our good works are as filthy rags. The good things that we do, the Bible compares them to filthy rags. The things that they would wrap up people in leprosy, that's what he's comparing your good works to. We don't have any good works, do we? And so he had position, he had morality, he had religion. And the Bible says, Luke says he was a ruler. And so it means that he was a leader in the synagogue, a man of some influence in the religious world. Boy, this too often is a good thing. From every outward appearance, this man had everything going for him. He was the ideal young person, if you will. But the Lord says you lack one thing. 
You know what that one thing is? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. See, sometimes that's what we got it all together. All of our ducks are lined up. We got it all together. We're going in the right direction. And you know what God does? He knocks the ducks over. You lack one thing. What was it? It was trusting in Jesus alone to save him. It wasn't the, the position. It wasn't the religion. It wasn't the money. It was trusting Jesus. You see, if you have all the wealth in the world, and that's what the social gospel wants you to believe, that feeding and clothing people and helping people, that's going to get you to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. This man probably invested a lot of his time helping the poor. Probably invested a lot of his time in helping the needy and helping his church or his synagogue. But that wasn't going to get him closer to God. Only by what Jesus said. Jesus said this, and it kind of blows the disciples' minds. If you read all three evangelists as they preach this message, as they talk about this, man, they said, then who then can be saved? This man, he loved much. He lost much. He loved much. It was close to his heart, but he wanted, he wanted to add Jesus to what he already had. See, Jesus has to be everything or nothing in your life. Is he everything to you? Hopefully he is. It's not a question that I hope you, you have to think about. It's something that as a Christian, Jesus is everything to us. Christian means little Christ. They were first called Christians at Antioch. They were first called Christ, little Christ at Antioch. In other words, they were following Christ. It was kind of a derogatory thing. And they began to, oh, those Christians. And the name kind of stuck. I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm glad Jesus loved me enough to save me. But not just me. He loved the whole world. One drop of Jesus' blood could wipe out the sin problem. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But this man carried a problem. In spite of everything going for him, he had one skeleton in his closet. Now, I don't know about skeletons in closets, but they can really haunt you. What was it? He loved possessions. He loved his stuff. Uh, in America, we love stuff. I've told you before that you can build a house by what's on the side of the road on trash day. You can furnish a house by what's on the side of the road on any given trash day. You can really do well by what's on the side of the road on trash day. Stuff. We got more stuff than we know what to do with. And I saw a TV yesterday and I almost stopped. It's a flat screen TV. It's not big. I have enough. I have more than I can deal with. I can only watch one at a time with this eye. So <laughs> stuff. His heart was his heart was geared for stuff. His heart was geared for things. And so uh, all that he had, he, he still had an itch that he couldn't scratch or he had a hole in his heart that only God could fill. And he found that his, his youth probably left him unsatisfied. His money l left him feeling unfulfilled. How many of you have ever said, oh, if I only had a million dollars, 
I can remember back in the day when they would talk about a million dollars as if it was a really big thing. And it is. It's a lot of things. It's a lot. But now they're talking trillion of dollars we're in debt. Trillion? Trillion? Tripping on the trill? We can't imagine that amount of possessions. I think one of the most recent winners of the lottery of the biggest one was almost a billion dollars. A billion dollars? Yet the highest suicide rate are those that win the lottery. The highest dissatisfaction are those that won a lot of money. Money doesn't satisfy. See all these people, for those of you who go to the gym, I know who you are. You see these people walk by the mirrors. And they're doing that for themselves. They're doing that for themselves. And you know what? It doesn't matter how good you think you are. There's a problem in the heart. This man, he had his youth going for him. He had his wealth going for him. But his deepest longing, you know, he was trying to climb the rungs of the ladder of life. Uh, and, you know, it, it wasn't satisfying him. He wanted peace with God. How do I know that? He came running to Jesus. I've tried everything. I've gone everywhere. I've done it all. I have it all. And yet it doesn't satisfy. Did you know nothing else in this world will satisfy except Jesus Christ? Many of you who are, are saved, and that's a Bible word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is a continuous forward, yes, you are saved and you will be saved and you, you can't lose your salvation. Amen. Anybody who tells you you can lose it because you sinned, we're all sinners. By the way, did Peter lose his salvation because he denied the Lord? No. How about by striking Malchus's ear with a sword? I don't think he was aiming for the ear. He was aiming for the neck. Malchus ducked and the ear went flying. Well, that's, that's mean. That's cruel. That's bad. Peter shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's right. Did he lose his salvation because he hurt another human being? No. You can't lose your salvation. Never can. You can't lose what you don't have. If you didn't have salvation... Some people say, well, you can lose it if you, you walk out of step with God and you lose that fellowship. Yeah, you lose fellowship with God, but you don't lose your salvation, your standing, your place. Your, we talked about this recently about your sonship. This man felt unsatisfied, unfulfilled. His morality, his clean living, his righteous activity, it didn't satisfy the deepest longing in his heart. And so he wanted that peace with God. Hey, I don't know what brings you to Blackstone Valley Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, a beautiful spring-like Sunday morning, but I'm glad you came. More than coming here and knowing us, we want you to know Jesus. Jesus said, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. In other words, he doesn't say, ah, I'm full. Don't bother me. You never get a busy signal when you call to God. Never. He falls down before the Lord and he cries out to Christ. And no, there, are, there may be people here today, even in this room, the same condition as this young man. Oh, life has been good to you. You have a little money. Maybe you're, 
young or you're climbing that social ladder, if you will, and your name is well known, you have a good reputation in the community, maybe you are a good person. Well, there's no such thing. I'll refer you to Jason Bissonette. He'll tell you. <laughs> you can't pass the good person test. There's none good. Nobody's good. But maybe you've got things going in the right direction. But you don't have that spiritual peace that you long for. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Bible talks about this. We're, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. We're all going our own ways and expecting God to... Well, God understands. And we use that as an excuse for our misbehavior. Wait a minute. Better, better reel it in a little bit. He has an expectation of his children. Just like my parents who are here today, they had an expectation of me, of obedience. God has an expectation of his children. My sheep hear my voice, John 10 talks about, and I know them. They hear me and they follow and they, they seek after what I seek after. They want what I want. This young man and his deception, there's some confusion going on in his mind. And he comes to Jesus, he gets a lot of things right. He comes to the right person. I think the only person you need to go to is not a priest, not a pastor, not a close friend, but Jesus. He's the only one that can change you. By the way, you ever meet somebody that um, maybe they're dating or courting or they're getting ready to get married and they say this, I'll change him or her. No, you won't. In fact, after being married for how many years? 33 years? 34 coming up. I always add the extra year just for, you know, good, good measure. Uh, I become more like her than she's become like me. I become more bold. <laughs> no, no, really. You notice how after a while people begin to look like their pets? Oh, I get that backwards. Maybe the pets begin to look like the people. Well, after a while, married couples begin to look like each other. You know what? When we look at what God is doing in the life of this individual, he, he had his own confusion. He, he came to the right person to get unconfused. He heard of Jesus and knows that if anybody can help, Jesus can. I don't know what brings you to church today. And there's going to be people that you talk to, that you witness to, that you give a track to, that you testify about, that you're going to invite to come to church. They might come for your sake, but they might meet Jesus. They might come because there's a special going to be that day, or there's going to be a, uh, something going on that day, and they might meet Jesus. See, it's what's going on at that church? What's going on in that building? Well, it's people meeting with Jesus. And so Jesus can change lives. He has changed lives. Uh, we'll learn more about that in a minute. Uh, many people come confused. Let me tell you right off the bat, God is not the author of confusion. When you're confused about spiritual matters, that's not God's fault. You have to apply what you know by faith and believe what the Word of God says and come to Him by faith, the faith of a little child. Those children, they... Uh, 
I, I see it in action with the grandchildren more than with my own children. I saw it growing up. They trust. They believe. They have faith. Carter, he walks in and he knows everybody by their first name. Well, now we have to get him to say Mr. or Mrs. Or Gigi. Poppy. He knows everybody by their name. Did you know God knows us by our own name? And he cares about us. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. And, um, you know, this man was confused about a lot of things. God cares about you. He wants you to know him in an intimate, personal way. Don't be confused about Jesus. He comes for the right purpose. He came the right way, humbly. He didn't come and say, well, I know what's best. He came humbly to Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to come humbly. He comes at the right time. There's no wrong time to go to Jesus. Jesus knows what you have need of. Even before you even open your mouth. He knows you better than you know yourself. You know, we know the story. We know how it ends. The tragic part is he walked away sad. He went away sad. Don't go away sad today. Jesus wants you to know him in a personal way. He wants you to trust him alone to save you. Because you can't save yourself. None of us can save ourselves. He thinks that, just like a lot of people, salvation can be earned. No, it can't. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When we look at the cross, Jesus said, done, it is finished. There's absolutely nothing you could ever do to add to what God's already said. It's finished. It's done. So there's this confrontation in verse number 18. Jesus hears what this man wants. He wants eternal life. He confronts him regarding the person of the Savior. When he calls Jesus good, he reminds him there's only one good, and that's God. He didn't even realize he's talking to God in the flesh. He was a moral person. He was a teacher. He begins to confront him regarding the problem of what we face, sin. You know, sin separates us from our God. Sin hurts us. Sin breaks the fellowship if we're Christians, if we're his children. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Sin hurts. And God wants us to get as close as we can to him. The snapshot of the Savior is draw nigh unto God, and I'll draw nigh unto you. You know, let's stand. I don't have to preach a lot. I, I just want us to understand the principle here of this man had it all. You may think you have it all. And God sees your heart. God knows who you are. He doesn't want you to play games. He doesn't want you to try your best. He wants you to come to him with unashamed faithfulness and say, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I can't, but you can Paul came to the conclusion at the end in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do nothing apart from Christ's help in my life. 
I can't stand up here. I can't witness. I can't sing. I can't do anything apart from what Christ wants me to do. Same thing for you if you're saved. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you know what? We're going to sing an invitation here in just a minute. The invitation is for everybody, not just for those who are lost. You say, well, I don't know if I'm lost. That's an indication that you probably are. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus knows you by name. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the message of this rich young ruler. But Lord, how tragic it was for him to make that wrong decision of walking away from eternal life, from gaining access to a holy, righteous God. Lord, there may be some like that here today that just go through the motions, that just put in their time, that never had a change of heart. Lord, thank you so much for one more opportunity to preach the message of salvation. Lord, help us where we need help. Guide us where we need guidance. And Lord, draw that one that you're gently drawing them close to your heart, who needs salvation. We love, thank, and praise you for the day you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus as this man has done. You know, our burdens and our petitions and our requests, he says, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this young man, I sh I'm sure, broke the heart of Jesus Christ because he went away sorrowful. But you can turn your eyes on Jesus today. As we sing, if you need help with someone to show you how to get to where Jesus is, we can have someone take a Bible and show you the love letter of God. As we sing, won't you come?